That's me on the podcast Sharing a song With something to say about it With Thin Lear And Niagara Moon Losing my opinion Well, Thin Lear, I eagerly await your Halloween Part 2 episode today, right? You're going to bring some more spooky, scary stuff? For today's episode? Yeah, you know, I felt a bit stupid <laughs> last time that I was being so aggressive with my Halloween programming. And you're right. Like, I kept thinking about it. Like, we're still, right now, it's a Sunday for us. Uh, uh, a bit inside baseball here for the listener, but uh-huh. released this on Wednesday. It, it still feels like Halloween to me because it hasn't happened yet. But, like, I started thinking from the listener's perspective, right. they're going to be out of the spooky mood. And I'm going to be talking about some Italian horror soundtrack and it's just not no. going to, it's just not going to fly. You got to wait till next year. I told you. It's just so long. <laughs> another full year for another Halloween. How about you can do it for Christmas? Okay. So like a Nightmare Before Christmas style. Yeah, exactly. There we go. That'll be the, uh, okay. the spinoff we never knew we needed. Okay. That sounds good. Cause that's just too long to wait for another. I agree. I couldn't actually believe we hadn't done a, a, another spooky episode since the Scott Walker one. I should have saved that. I really should have saved that content. But I'll tell you, Thomas, oh, wait, do we have to introduce the podcast first? Or? Mm, it's, it's in good taste, I feel like. Well, okay. you just called me Thomas. Otherwise, I go by Niagara Moon. Sure. And you're listening to Losing My Opinion. Yes, sir. I am Thin Lear, a.k.a. Matt, a.k.a. Daddy. Yes, uh, you are Daddy. I don't know if that's getting us in trouble mm-hmm. or not, uh, with the Daddy thing, but I think I'm going to keep it up. Uh, okay. This is a podcast where we each show each other songs, uh, and we have arguments or points to make around those uh, those songs that we're showing. And the other person has no idea what to expect, no preparation, no clue. Uh, and I'll tell you what: today we're building ourselves a time machine again, because one of our most popular episodes, or I guess at least one of our most maligned episodes, <laughs> I should say, infamous, uh, infamous. We spent a good chunk of time examining the horrors of rock music in 1999. Mm. We, we dug into new metal. We alienated you all. But I got something to tell you. We're going back. Fuck, really? We're going back. We're, we're not talking about new metal. Okay, okay. But we're talking but about we're, some other butt rock from the era? <laughs> it's not butt rock. I mean, it, it might sound like butt, but it's not butt rock. Uh, I, had, I, was, I was thinking about that year. So I have memories of a much maligned genre that also had a bit of a heyday at that point in time. Thomas. What do you feel and think when I say the words power pop? Uh, power pop. I'm thinking uh, the cars, just what I needed. Exactly. Exactly. So the cars in the 80s, uh, like Badfinger in the 60s, 70s would be like Cheap Trick, yeah. Big Star, Raspberries. Maybe, uh, what are they called? The Cardigans? I quite like sure. that song of theirs. Okay, so like the 90s, yeah, it would be like love Cardigans, me, right? Love me, thingy. Oh, Love Fool? Yeah, that's, that's power pop, right? Exactly, right. So it's like sort of like a hard, harder edge melodic thing. You know, it's, 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 uh, I, I thought of it as, as Beatlesque in like 60s and 70s with like a bit more propulsive mm-hmm. instrumentation. And then it kind of did its own thing beyond that. You get, you get into the Cars realm, you get into the Cardigans realm in the 90s. I agree with all that. It's great music for TV shows. Oh, fantastic. Oh, and like Chuck, 
Uh, I'm not really that big fan of that show, Chuck, with Zachary Levi. It's one of my wife's favorite shows. You know, I half watched it while she had it on recently. And boy, they really got a lot of songs for that show. It is, so it's it, ch- music that would appear on Chuck. That's kind of where I'm at in my head right now with this. Cake a little bit. Yeah. 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 But Power Pop in the 90s, especially the late 90s, because of all the other stuff that's happening that year, it got mixed up with a little more alt-rockness than usual. Had a little more flavor, a little more spice. I don't know about, I don't know if it's spice. A little but more the, frosted tips. It definitely tasted like something. Uh, it also came with this like heavily synthetic production yeah. from what was going on in pop at yeah. the time, but also this alternative thing. Uh, it actually ran right next to new metal hmm. for a while, particularly that year. They both kind of peaked at the charts until they both um, thankfully petered out. But it's such a strange counterpart to new metal because the songs we're going to hear today are like <laughs> unabashedly poppy and cheesy. Are we going to listen to Barbie Girl? Uh, no. Okay. No. No, yeah, I wouldn't. No. I mean, I thought that's uh, where you're going with this. But no, I don't know if that Ricky, was 99. Ricky Martin, I help me out here. I'm I'm lost. No, we saw power, power pop, pop, power pop. So it's like propulsive, uh, like I, you wouldn't even call it a harder edge, but like something more than something more alternative than pop. And it's that that realm that like Third Eye Blind lives in. Avril Lavigne, a bit like that. Yeah, again, okay. this is this is earlier. Oh, I think, okay, than when, okay. Yeah, than yeah, what yeah, you're yeah, thinking yeah. of. This is 99, yes. so it's like, it's I don't happening. have a point of reference for this. I, I'm too young a man. I, I wasn't uh, checking out the pop scene in 1999 like you were, I guess. You weren't, what were you listening to in 99? 99, I was listening to children's uh, cartoon show themes, because I think I was still like five, going on six, yeah. Oh, wow. Oh, my goodness. So, uh, the 90s um, are a very well, faint blur in my memory. We're going to educate okay. you today. Sock it Maybe to Maybe not me. in a way that you want to be educated, uh, but... So these tunes were somehow at the time in some circles classified as alternative, but it's really, it's just power pop. Uh, we might call this episode and you can quote mm-hmm. me on this. Cause I know you like to, you like to do that. The softer side of 1999's rock digging into the power pop hits of alternatives. Dumbest year, a dissertation, a dissertation. Yeah. Uh, and what I want to do today is hopefully examine a handful of tracks that you've never heard before. I hope you've never heard these, and it seems like you, you haven't. So this is really going to be great. I, I, I don't really know where we're going here. I want to see I I if you enjoy like this pretty middle-of-the-road slice of 99's power pop hits. And I want you to tell me, for each of them, do you mostly enjoy it, despite its datedness? Okay. Do, or do you hate, do you hate it? Hmm. And for each song, because you know I do love this, if you can rate it uh, from a scale of 1 to 99. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. One being horrible and 99 being amazing. Okay. 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 I will say you All mentioned right. it a little bit, the production style, like just the sound of this era. Uh, last night, in fact, I uh, was watching Miss Congeniality with Huimin, Okay. which is a movie from 2000. Just the sound of pop music in that era is just so dead and so plastic and just aged like the worst, almost aged worse than 80s music somehow. In a lot of ways, I really am not kind to it. Yes, yes, indeed. So, I mean, just you know, that's what's happening today. That's where we're going here. Okay, great. That's what's, that's what's going on. Yep. And I hope you never heard any of these, but you probably have. I mean, some of some of these are pretty ubiquitous. Some of these were in miscongeniality. I'm sure they were. Oh, we got a third eye. I don't know if I've ever heard a third eye blind song in my life. I really do not know much about this band. Yeah. Really? Oh man, it's just like 
that was a lot of college for me oh, here. Boy. Those dudes. High school. Yeah. All right. So this song is by Third Eye Blind. What are your feel? You've, you've never heard that at just, all? I just, there is a category, this and some 41 and Blink-182 and all the ones with the numbers in them. Like I, I think you're thinking of something else. I, like I, I know, know Blink-182 is like Tony Hawk pro skater music, uh, but it's like, <laughs> it's just all is this clump of like, they were popular in the yeah. early 2000s. I would see their name everywhere, and I just had no interest. And it's just, yeah. Okay. I mean, you might you might be right. I don't have a huge interest in this I, band. I bet either. I was, but I'll. You know what? I might as well give it a chance now. That's what this podcast is for. Guys, give it a it. shot. All right, you're so in, you're in there. You're ready. Never let you go. I am ready. 1999. Take it away. Oh, yeah. I think I've heard that riff. Sweet Jane. Well, yeah. This isn't that bad. They look like the music video. They look like they're they're in that Spy Kids land, like with all the people with thumbs for heads. That's the kind of visual. Sure, this is a bit uh, Spy Kids leading production. I like this. I mean, I don't like it, but. Oh, this is, yeah. I got nothing against this. Nothing against it. That's pop that goes down smooth. That gets, you said zero to 99? Uh, one to 99. I guess if you want zero, I, I wasn't well, thinking you'd hate something that a, much. This gets a 69. You can. Because it's nice. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, I think, I mean, for starters, you said it. This is Sweet hey, Jane. But a lot of songs uh, are Sweet Jane. That's, but. Yeah. A lot of songs. I could listen to covers of Sweet yeah. Jane with different lyrics all day. Uh, I enjoy this one. I think, yeah, the lyrics, the vocals are, they're like very much embedded within that year. But like. That went down quite smooth. Yeah, though. it's just smooth. I think of this song fondly. I'll give this like an 80, you know, so I, so a bit higher. It's just very inoffensive. And that's, that's what's so hilarious yeah. about all these songs that we're hearing today that came out that year that were so popular. Like you think of like. Corn and Limp Bizkit and all those bands that we talked about. Edgy, dark. Yeah, and then this yeah. is bumping up against it in the charts. This is this is sweet and sweet and soft. Uh, I actually I owned this CD. Somebody bought it for me. Oh, of course you did. Uh, at a Christmas party, still own it to this day. Uh, we'll leave it to my and daughter. You play it every Christmas. Someday play it every Christmas. Christmas yeah. morning. Play it Christmas morning. Never let you go. Okay, so this next tune. Let me bring this up. This one, I think you're really gonna hate all right well i really enjoyed this so I, I we're in for a steep drop now huh yeah i think this the thing about all these songs is that they're very catchy like it's all earworm stuff that's not the problem but it is that <laughs> that's not the problem it is that's actually that sometimes that is the that is the biggest issue is that you can't get it out of your head but um this one is like this weird amalgamation. Oh, of, I don't like what I'm seeing so far. This band's called Jimmy's Chicken Shack. Jimmy's Chicken Shack. Uh, uh, I could not tell you any other songs that they have. Uh, I don't know a whole lot about this band. This is the one song I know. That's a, that's a hell of a name. I also kind of recall the lead singer having dreads. Uh, but yeah, this is like a, this is going in. This is what I had in mind more is, is shit like this. Okay, this freeze yeah, so, frame of this character, Officer Buttercup, and this, yeah. this all looks all kind of bad so far. But you know what? Music is more than just the visuals. Hey man, yeah, drop those preconceptions yeah. at the door. 
Let's All do right, it. here we go. Jimmy's Chicken Shack. Do right. We'll make the bed up straight. I always stay out late. I never take you out. Ask what you're all about. Yep, guess that dreadlocks. smell like smoke. Everything's just yeah. a joke. I never look at you when you come hear me sing. These are not all of me. Many simple things you can find wrong with me. Once would you tell me, please? What do I do? What do I do? What do I do? Nothing so bad. You, don't, you really built this up. This is this is nothing here. This is innocuous. Do you like kind of, kind of good riff? So it's inoffensive, right? Okay. Sounds like Weezer. I don't know. It does kind of sound like Weezer. Yeah. Um, this wrong to me with that. sounds like it's like poppy. Yeah, you're not gonna know any of the references that I'm giving you today, yeah. but it's like there's a band called Rancid that I, have. Yeah, I heard the name again. I see the logo. I see the name. I'm like, keep that away from me. Totally. It is so not what you. That band is so not whatever you think it is. It's yeah. just like really uh, like pop punky kind of sound. And this is veering to that, but still more in the power pop realm yeah. for me. Um, this is classic pop songwriting structure. That's what I heard just now. Yeah. Yeah, I think, and again, it's like very inoffensive. Uh, it has that sort of, I guess, alternative edge to it. I don't know why, but it's classified in that way. And singing style, it's it's doing its uh, Rivers Cuomo thing. Such a '99 tune, though. Like this is, it's yeah. very dated. Why did you think I would hate this so much? Because it's so boppy. You don't think I bop? Hold on. I don't. Hold I don't on. Think Hold you, up. You don't think I'm bopping with the rest of them? I don't think you bop. I don't think you '90s bop. Hey, I love fool. That's a '90s bop. You do like love, yeah, but that's like I bop. I I don't really have anything against him bop. Love fool transcends that decade. Like I didn't bring in love fool today. That, that's not that, that's nowhere that's true. in there. Yeah, yeah. You know, I brought in songs that like they are they're stuck forgotten. in that year. Yeah. Even if they're they're good, I enjoy both of the songs I brought in. I'm not gonna like stand behind them as amazing pieces of music, I, but like they're catchy. I can do. Do we have any uh, Smash Mouth coming up? I can do Walking on the Sun. <laughs> We don't, but like they're right in that wheelhouse of all this stuff. Oh yeah, they are. They're they're all they're part of that same that same world. Um, the next song I'm going to show you, I actually strongly dislike. Oh, I didn't give a rating to Jimmy's Chicken. Oh Shack. Yeah, 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 Jimmy's Chicken Shack. Yeah, it gets a sixty-eight. It? I didn't quite like it. Sixty-eight. Mm, Third Eye Blind uh, wins out a little bit there. Yeah. Okay. Wow. I wasn't thinking they would sort of rule the roost here, but hey. It's your world, man. Yeah. You're just living in it. This is your 1999. I'm just living in it. Uh, this is a song that is insufferable. And uh, again, you got me thinking I'm going <laughs> to like it, though. You're, you're 0 for 2 here. You keep thinking this isn't new metal. I hope you don't like the, I don't. I hope you don't okay. like the song. But uh, here it is. Ready? It's by a guy named Tal Bachman. It's called She's So High. Oh, I know a Blur song called She's So High. It ain't that. I want to climb all over here. This is not that. She's oh, it's a little more posery so far, yeah. <laughs> what do you mean? It sounds like it's trying to be like a 80s new wave classic, but who are these D-bags? Tal Bachman. And his little soft affect here. I don't know. Sounds like it's trying to be Britpop. Oh, I've heard this. Yeah, I know this. 
doesn't get your juices flowing? It's still not bad, though. It's still not bad. I don't like... I like this one less because I feel like it's really pretending to be British. That's a good call. Unless this guy is just British, then he should know better. I don't believe that he's he doing, is. He's doing the laws thing. Uh, there she goes. It is... It is... Mm, it's still not bad, though. It's it's just middle of the road and derivative, but it's a very sweet spot. Very inoffensive. Yeah. Very close to There She Goes, man. Yeah, that's that's a really good call. It's a, oh, essentially the same song. Uh, I really don't like that song. Those vocals, good lord. I don't mind it that much. I mean, it's it's. I, it's not like I have hard edge vocals in my songs, but geez, it's, Louise. It, I didn't like that one as much because it felt more like a corporate calculation than the first two bands. Yeah, this is going to click with a certain group. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he just kind of like. The other issue is the lyrics. Like he just sort of lists women from history. Oh, uh, like what the hell do Joan of Arc and Cleopatra <laughs> have to do with each other? And then he and then or Aphrodite, who isn't even a real person. So uh, this is really this is just like, uh, yeah, it's not good. It's, he's pandering to like the can't hardly wait people who would buy the soundtrack to mm. that. Uh, I rate this a ten out of ninety nine. Yeah, this is gonna get a uh, uh, yeah fifty still though for me. Really. It's because is what are we talking? Is a ninety nine like my favorite song ever, or just the best I could expect ninety nine power pop to be? I would I would say you the know? best you could expect ninety nine. That's why it doesn't even go to a hundred. All right, then it's a, then it's fifty. Yeah, totally. You can't even make it to a hundred. See, that's the thing is you because you're so old and you were like already twenty mm-hmm. by nineteen ninety nine. You've heard all these songs so much more that's than right. me. I, I'm getting exposed to all this for like yeah, I am sixty. You know, my, I'm flooding yeah. back. I'm like flying back to my subconscious brain and. Being a six-year-old that time that I was next to the radio, you know, making my formative memories. This is. I mean, oh yeah, I'm in my early sixties. Yeah. I want to point out that I was still quite young <laughs> in 1999. I think I was. I don't remember how old, but I wasn't. No, I wasn't. You're in high old school. enough to get sick maybe, of pop music, apparently. I believe I just started middle school, All or right. maybe. Yeah. Hey, you might be daddy. You're not granddaddy. I'm not. Not yet. Yeah. Um, all right. So. This last tune, and I'm sure you're thankful for that. This is by a band. It's called Hey Leonardo, and it is a reference to Leonardo Leonardo DiCaprio, actually. Oh, that's just as bad as I thought it would be. Yes. Uh, It's by a band called Blessed Union of Souls. Blessed spelled with an I before the D. Ooh, wow. Walking off the buzz. Man, I need to drive home. I thought I'd just have a beer or two. I got to walk off that buzz. I'm not ready to drive yet. I walk off the buzz. You can't go home until you've walked off the bus, yeah. Uh, and and this song references uh, Cindy Crawford, mm. Leonardo DiCaprio, Steve Buscemi, hey. uh, and Jim Carrey. Uh, the, I mean, literally, the lyrics talk Titans about Titans of the '90s. Titans of the '90s. The, it, the lyrics talk about the Cable Guy. The movie. Oh, I just saw that recently as well. So this is, I think, the most '99 oh, power pop song I've ever heard. Like they they trapped themselves in that year with these references um and these vocals are y'all this, let you this this decide. album covers rough all right i'm ready okay here we go she don't care about my car and she don't care about my care. money yeah it's real good because i don't got a lot to spend but if i did it wouldn't mean nothing she likes me for me not because yeah, this is the worst. With the charm of Robert Redford. Don't 
all the vocals have like from every song we heard a whiny have this similar kind of vibe yeah they're very enunciated is that the rivers cuomo shadow or what is that rivers cuomo was not making waves in a major way until like i don't know later on like i don't i don't think he was influencing the mainstream that much you know what's hip in 99? Annunciation. I want to hear all those consonants. Very enunciated year. Yeah, that uh, was the sh- lamest. That was the most like fake feeling. Like That feels like, again, I maybe I've used this analogy before, like a band you create for a movie that doesn't actually, it's not actually a bunch of people who love playing music together. It's like a product. That had that <laughs> most kind of plasticky feeling. That last song you showed me. And th- still not terrible. Those vocals. No, it's not. It's not. It's really not. That gets a yeah, forty-five for me. I, I gave it a, a forty-eight. So we're, I think oh, we're shit. quite. We're on the same wavelength. Uh, it's it's such a ninety-nine tune, and all those vocals have that similar vibe. Uh, I see it almost like as a precursor to like what happened with emo, like true emo, like almost mm. very very soon after, where it was just like really enunciated like whiny like almost like you're you're trying to sound like like a socal teenager or something and like everybody yeah you're trying to sound like a frustrated suburban every- teenager like you're trying to sound like your imagined yeah, audience all- without having your own it was all the vocal first. fry like oh yeah, yeah. In, in the takes the songs and it was like such an affectation it's it just sort of took over and i think a lot of these songs do that um but in a, in a proto way uh but anyway What's the takeaway here? Did you kind of enjoy I this? I did kind of enjoy this. Or, I'm not going to lie. Like the first couple yeah. songs, especially, I'm like, oh, I kind of want to, can, could we have listened to more of that? It's um, so inoffensive. Uh, you really, you you set me up, but then you uh, you delivered too. This was this was an odd one here. Do you, if you had to, if you had to take one, would you prefer new metal? Fuck no. Or power no, pop? No, new metal, I said this before, you know, all genres of music really are valid, you know, that have their fans and like whatever you want to like. New metal literally gives me n- n- nausea. Like it makes my body feel bad. <laughs> and not no. in a good way. Not that, not that good not kind a, of not nausea. Not a good nausea. Like it just like yeah. bugs under my skin kind of feeling. But And not just the visual look, but like just the how they want instruments to sound and how, the, the, oh my God, I'm still thinking of that uh, while my guitar... Guitar gently weeps cover, the vocals and it's the, gorgeous. The, the, the yeah, this the whole thing from top to bottom just yeah. makes me kind of sick. And this was like, oh, this is dated as fuck. Like I can't ever listen to this without imagining I'm watching a late '90s rom com. But it's like you know, yes, good songwriting, solid songwriting is solid songwriting. Like it's in there with with a lot of these tunes. It's it's something's there. Sure. I agree. Yeah, yeah they're, 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 all of these songs are tightly constructed. Something that, that that where they align, so new metal and power pop in '99 is just like how ridiculously synthetic. Yes, like no the, the production are, is. It's just like the '80s at least was just okay. Like you're using new technology and you're using like obnoxious right. reverb effects, but I still have the feeling <laughs> of like a bunch of humans in the room with this technology yeah. figuring it out. Like I still feel a communal music making vibe whereas you get to a certain point in pop music history and it's like it's made in a lab it's so compressed everything like just the air is sucked out of every song yes. like i do not hear any room no. in any of these tunes and whether it's, it's new metal quote, unquote, pop, it's perfect just, yeah it's been perfectly yeah. manufactured yeah there's such a sheen um 
a Charlie Sheen. Well, that's all I have for today. Uh, and I hope this was inoffensive for everyone to listen to. That's what I was going for. Inoffensive as the contents of the uh, the tunes themselves. <laughs> sure. I mean, sure. I thought you were going to show me like Summer Girls and... Oh, that song is terrible. Yeah, that, I would call that more... So yeah, I, I guess I had some pretty strict... Uh, definitions. Yeah, I mean, these songs head. were all from '99. You were very yeah. specific about that. That yeah. then also like I would classify the Summer Girl song as like that's boy band stuff. And and I think I'm talking about power pop where there's like mm. at the time it was vaguely classified as alternative rock. They play their own guitars. And they did. Yeah, yeah. they did that. So mm. yeah. You know what song has come around to be quite a banger? I would say is uh, Bye Bye Bye. What is that? That's NSYNC, right? I'm going to get such... Yeah. Okay, that's, that's not NSYNC. Backstreet Boys. Yeah, that song, that's as they say is fire. That one is, has come around on me. <laughs> yeah. I like that song by Len, uh, Steal My Sunshine. I think that's a good song. I don't know that one. That's a pretty pretty poppy. I believe it's 90s. There's there. It's, it really is an era almost more than any other where the way that music, popular music was manufactured at that time, like just as we say, the sonics of it was like, really feels like an at an all time low, just sterile. And then you eventually get away from that, I feel like by like early 2010s, I got, yeah, like it Man. ran, it ran its course like throughout that decade. Yeah. I just, I just looked up Steal My Sunshine. That came out in 99. I should have done that should've. one. Hey, let's listen to it. Are you sure? We've never done this before. I've already petered out. Is it? What's the thing? Why? Why did that one stick out in your brain? Is it particularly good? Particularly yeah, yeah, bad? I like it. Let's 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 end on a high note because um, blessed is okay. the union or whatever that that left a bad taste in my mouth. Let's, okay. let's ninety nine wasn't so bad after all. I think that's a lesson we're starting to take away here. Kind of. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like I might be hyping this song too much now. Well, you uh, were you were like, denigrating the other songs too much. So who knows? Maybe this is going to get a a. Uh, famous 99 rating from old Tommy over here. Oh, I think it will from me. All right, here we go. I was lying on the grass on Sunday morning of last week. Oh, do not like this vocal. Oh, no, it's terrible. Listen to that groove. Uh, I want an instrumental version. The groove is there. It's tight. The track is tight. Yeah. Dollar store version of Smash Mouth Guy. Now, it's too raspy. It's all rasp. He's a little guy, and I like him for that. Uh, and of course it's a great loop. Just wait, wait for the, see if you like the chorus better. I like this. I like this. Yeah. Replace that guy and this is a banger. You just got to go past it. It's like listening to the Red Hot Chili Peppers, you know? You just pretend they have a different vocalist. All right, you get get the the vibe. Very loop. That one was more uh, loop dependent in a way that some 90s music can really click in that way. Yeah. That, oh, if they only had a cool singer. Yeah, hey, I tell you, Gwen Stefani could have could have spun that into gold. Even oh, yeah. she would have done a great job in this band. Yeah, they're one hit wonder. Mm. Uh, but boy, what a hit! 
All right, I, th- I feel more satisfied now ending on that one. Mm, mm. Yeah, and I'm not I'm not ashamed to say I enjoy that song. It's just it's just so catchy. Ninety nine wasn't so bad. It wasn't so bad. Wasn't. You could pick a far worse year for pop music. Two thousand nine yeah. would be pretty gross in a lot of ways. I feel like. Yeah. But we we made out all right here. That's, that was that was refreshing. I was expecting to get the same pit in my stomach that we got uh, with those other those d bags from uh, the new metal episode. <laughs> Sure. Plus in my opinion. I'm talking about an artist today whose name has definitely come up a few times on this podcast and it's it's been the clock has been ticking until I really give them their their you know their whole segment. Did you already have a, a guess as to who I am bringing up today? You got to give me more hints. I We keep mentioning them. Their influence is is vast. They often are playing a hand in many other artists records. They're they're very busy. Uh, they're extremely prolific. They are Japanese. Uh, Hosono? Yeah, you got it. I wow. knew you'd get it. We got we to gotta talk about wow. Hosono. We got to talk about Haruomi Hosono. For starters, like my favorite bassist of all time, probably. Core member of that uh, group I love so dear, Happy End. We talked about them uh, in the early days of this podcast. Mm. I guess we're still in the early days. <laughs> I talked about... Uh, Otaki Eichi, his uh, you know former bandmate and frequent collaborator, and again one of my you know all timers. And uh, I go by Niagara Moon. Niagara Moon is Eichi uh, Otaki album, but uh, we got to give Hosono his due today. And he's probably out of all the Japanese musicians I've talked about and will talk about going forward. I feel like he's near the top in terms of international fame and acclaim. Yeah. 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 I mean, he's the only. Out of the folks you've talked about, he's the only one I knew previously. I do feel like, to a small extent, his music has uh, infiltrated the American indie consciousness through Mac DeMarco. Like, I think that there's a bit there. I would is is you no, think it's through him? No small I, I, part. I didn't. I didn't hear him through. I didn't know Mac oh. was uh, was into him. But that's that's great. I can hear Mac's, that. Mac's uh, what is it? The album called mm-hmm. Two. Like that album cover is an homage to um, one of the albums I'm going to show you today. Actually, Hosono House. Like, oh yeah, Max Hero is is Hosono, and you. I don't know. You might pick up on that today. You might not, but uh, I hear it. He's huge in Japan. I mean, you read his wiki. They write it off the bat. One of the most influential uh, musicians for Japanese pop music history. He's done a ton of different things. He does a ton of different styles, but. So as you can imagine, if I'm going to do an episode on the guy, how do you condense all that to three songs? Because that's usually my challenge going in is I want to sum up whatever I'm doing mm. in three songs. I found an arc. I found the narrative, the story to tell today uh, that I really, I do feel like defines his kind of musical career and legacy as a whole. This is a man who sold his soul to the synthesizer. Mm. This is a man, Mr. Hosono, who I would argue... In that rarefied era, along with James Taylor, the band, you know, Crosby, Stills, and Nash, just folk rock giants, just nailed that genre, wrote some amazing classic songs for that style of music. He was extremely well-versed in it, and then he just ditched it, and he went electronic for pretty much the rest of his career. In a way, I don't know if I've, Japanese or not, I don't know if I've ever seen any other artist do something like that, like have that kind of background. Totally abandoned folk in that way. He, I always thought of him in the same way I think about Bowie, where he, yeah, could be so amazingly proficient 
in one genre of music and then just yeah. totally jettison it. Bowie had his heart. Um, yeah, Bowie liked to play around with this or that thing going on, work with that trendy producer, and really kind of you know incorporate it with his own deal. But like at the end of the day, Bowie's making rock music. Like, well, f- fast forward forty years, th- the next day, I mean, that's a rock song, is it not? Oh sure. I, I mean, Black Star, I think, is something different. I think Berlin Trilogy. I mean, he's making ambient music. You know, I, th- I think there's. I think he gets away from rock sometimes, but I hear what you're saying in the sense that he didn't stay. He there. comes back. It, like it, it didn't leave his. Right. It was sort he didn't of one-off. Stay in the electronic periods. thing for so long. So if that's the closest example we can think of, I mean, there, somebody might think of, of another one. I am definitely all ears, but it's because he just. When I first was exposed to his music through the Happy End period, and then his first solo album, which we'll get to in a little bit. I was like, oh, this amazing kind of folky, I know he's a bassist, but like, you know, get him with an acoustic guitar, play these just amazing, lush, mellow, folky songs. And nope, uh, he's one of the core three members of a group called Yellow Magic Orchestra, which at least in Japan are probably more famous than him as a solo artist. Like that might be just the biggest commercial juggernaut thing he ever did. Um, They're like, you know, in my mind, it's like craft work, Yellow Magic Orchestra for, for like, mm. early electronic pop. Like, they were one of the big boys uh, right at the beginning of that. And then, like, from that period on, so that was, like, late 70s on, he's just, if you were to pull up his Spotify, it's half of his stuff, you know, after a certain year, it's all these, like, floaty, weird, ambient, like, you know, a lot of experimental, sort of incorporating world music, but just it's electronic music through and through. Like, mm. ain't no rock songwriting going on. And it's just a very interesting shift. And uh, so getting to my larger point about trying to tell the story in three songs. You know, I, I'm a movie fan. I, I like to think of myself as a bit of a cinephile. I've uh, been re-watching uh, There Will Be Blood recently. Mm. Seen that movie a lot of times. And that soundtrack is fantastic. Hey, Johnny Greenwood doing the, the score there. Yeah. Yeah. That the Ans Marinat, that instrument that he keeps using, that's yeah, just like yeah. so haunting. Yeah. Yeah. The whole movie is haunting. It's it's very much haunting in the way that like the shining is haunting because mm-hmm. I mean it's a story of a man going insane at the end of the day. It's it's sure. this mental transformation. You know, I, I love movies like that. And it's it's this guess of like, okay, at what point were they really losing it? Like you're trying to track it. Like what what what's the point of no return? And so in the spirit of that, Osno Haromi. I'm going to keep saying it, his first name first, last name last, or switch it up. I can't help it because in Japan, they say it the opposite way. I keep going back and forth here, you know, so be it. But he is a man who, I say, sold his soul to the synthesizer. He he just, after a certain point, he just became Mr. Electronic Music. Dylan went electric, Hosono went electronic. And uh, I think I pinpointed the moment where it all happened. But of course, I got you know I got to set things up. We got to hear the brilliance of his his folky days. We got to hear the turning point, and then we got to hear what he became. That's that's the uh, sure the arc I present to you today. Sure, and this is the only time I have a an actual personal connection to a, a Japanese artist that you have brought on prior to you telling me about them. <laughs> yeah, uh, you're like, oh, that guy. Yes, I have any point of reference whatsoever. <laughs> something I got into. I mean, Hosono House. I knew of that record for a while and always dug it. But once the pandemic hit, I really got into that record and it was just so comfy. Mm. Like it's just, it's a record that just, it feels like a warm ray of sunshine. And I needed that kind of sound. 
at that point in time, like a lot of people did. And so I, I just, I think of him so fondly, but I'm, you know, largely unaware of this other area of his uh, creativity. Yeah. And I, I don't mean to say that, uh, like, it's all worse than Hosona House and how dare he make this change. And boy, shouldn't he, if he had, if only he had kept making that sort of music, wouldn't have it all been better. Like, you know, there there's some stuff in this, this electronic fascination of his it's pretty cool like pretty fun but it's it's eh i i get this disappointing feeling and we'll we'll go into it later on but it's he he sold too much of his soul over to the machines uh wholesome house does have a special place in my heart as well um now speaking of getting into it during the pandemic did you know that the album itself was recorded at his house it's recorded at wholesome house like in like a 144 square foot room, you know, next to his bedroom. Back to the Mac DeMarco thing of, of you know, mm. Mac DeMarco's a guy who's like, no, I'm just going to set up camp like, you know, next to my day bed and just like do it all at my house, all DIY. Like that spirit, you know, you get that in, in this album, Hosona House. And I wonder how many, really how many other examples with this kind of fidelity you have before it. It's uh, groundbreaking in that sense as well. No, yeah. I mean, I, I'm going to have to look this up now because I... Oh, Emmett Rhodes. Okay. Emmett Rhodes. So it, it, he kind of, that record, and I guess this style and the way that it sounds, reminds me of Emmett Rhodes. That, yes. Like, that, the one-man Beatles, they called him, but like he's obviously so much more than that stupid comparison. Excellent example. Where it's like somebody who can play a ton of instruments. Do everything. Create a record that sounds both high fidelity, but also yeah. like it's a homespun feel to it. Emmett Rhodes... I mean, I guess we got to do an Emmett Rhodes episode at some point. Sure. But so many of those tracks, I'm like, oh, this song from the White Album that I had yeah. never heard before, like, yeah. absolutely s- stands with that caliber of pop music. Yeah, mm-hmm. I feel the same way about Hosano House, where it's just like it sounds homespun, but also like, just wow, di- this, how is this done at home? Still? Everything you need dialed in is dialed in. Yeah, yeah. Um, Emmett Rhodes also amazing for like playing all the instruments himself. I think. Yes, yeah. at least the album that I'm familiar with, and mm-hmm. like recorded in his parents' garage or whatever. Um, Olsono does have collaborators on this album. Like he doesn't play drums, for example. He's he's got a drummer. He's got his old buddy Shigeru Suzuki, of course. You know, on electric guitar. Uh, he's got a few other figures in there. It's not just like he went in his own quarantine or whatever. But it's homespun. It's the best and in some way like the only example you get in his solo career of like his folk rock songwriting prowess because even right after this even if it's not capital e electronica yet it's like more kind of world music and exotica like okinawan music and hawaiian music like it it incorporates those influences a lot more but this is just like i'm gonna play a song right now called koiwa momoiro Mm -hmm. and that means uh well, depending on how you'd interpret that, love is pink, love is peach-colored. Um, it's, it's a love song. The parts of the lyrics that I can make out are, are very tender, very poetic. Um, I used to cover this song a lot uh, back in my days living in, in Kyoto. And you know it, for once. Mm-hmm. You, you've you've, uh, <laughs> for you've heard the this album. Time. So yes. let's, uh, let's enjoy it here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit play. Yes, sir. Great way to start a song right here. Sabe 
so chunky. Very chunky. So smooth. I love that record. It's like half an hour. It's so like a short. 30 minute record. It's, and it's perfect though. It's all th- two, three minute songs. Is this one of your favorites from the album? Do you have favorites? Yeah, I, I really, I think of the album as a complete piece. Um, I like uh, Boku Wachato. Boku wa Choto, yeah. The yeah, really country, country. Yeah, I love that one. one. Yeah. I love that one. Just the right amount of complexity and simplicity in that melody. Like, mm-hmm. there's a lot of chords, but there might as well just be one chord. Good stuff, I say. It's really good. I mean, people are trying to approximate this sound today. Right All the now. time. Yeah. Yeah, in their own uh, 12 foot by 12 foot home studios. <laughs> he set the trend. Maybe, maybe not on a 16 track console, but yeah. Yeah, it's good stuff. And you don't really ever get it again, I would say even with the uh, the album that immediately follows this. Like I said, it's it's getting into more, yeah, just like Tropicalia territory maybe. Yeah, so what is that? Because I, you know, I, I would always, when you bring him up, I'm always like, why do I only know kind of that one record? So I, I did actually try to listen to Tropical Dandy, I think around the time I was into this record. And um, I remember thinking like, oh, you know, I, I wasn't clicking with me as much. Yeah, yeah. It's more niche. It's it's like his particular kind of curious fascination rather than like, oh, just another solid pop classic. Like you got to go kind of right. weird. Uh, to Now, I'm not going to show you any songs from Tropical Dandy, and then I'm going to also skip over the third album, Bon Voyage Company. Mm. Those are both pretty good albums. We're, we're going to um, Paraiso next, or in Japanese it's written as Haraiso, so I don't know what to do here, whether it's a P or an H. Um, and I'm going to call it I Haraiso. I think our, our listeners will give us grace. I think they'll be like, I don't know what the fuck he's talking about anyway, so that I'm fine. Sure. Uh, you might like Haraiso quite a bit. That's the, like, if you're trying to get into this guy, you start with Hosono House probably, but then Haraiso is just, ooh, oh, it hits so many sweet spots. Mm-hmm. It is still the Tropicalia, uh, Exotica, like, you know, tr- there's like very old traditional Japanese instruments that make an appearance. There's like references to Okinawan music, but then there's also just funk and synthy mm. just grooves and just it's this is the one, you know, I think we all have these kind of artists. Mac DeMarco Mac DeMarco will play Hot Iso and just be like, Oh, I'm never gonna be this good. You know, it's mm. I think it's that album for him. And I'm sure we both have those albums as well where you hear and you're just like I can never be at this level. Oh, yeah, yeah. So inspiring and crushing at the same yeah, time. Yeah, exactly. Uh, this is... Mm. I I do recommend this album. I think this would be a little easier for you going down. Some of the tracks are still a little weird and experimental, but there's just... There, there's some very good vibes. Uh, now, this is also the first album where he's really starting to gel with uh, the 
the dudes who would eventually become his uh, Yellow Magic Orchestra bandmates, and initially they called themselves the Yellow Magic Band. You're getting more and more synthesizers, more and more you know keyboards and sound effects coming in uh, by the time you arrive at this album. And yeah, maybe you'll maybe you'll pick up on that with the uh, the song we're going to listen to, uh, which is the the title track called Paraiso, Haraiso, whatever whatever floats your boat. I'm fine with either. It's a killer album cover. Oh yeah, a little freaky, huh? We're in outer space, we're in India, I don't know what's going on. Hits so smooth. Kind of loungy. Yeah. Like a bossa nova feel. Kermit the Frog on vocals. (laughs) What is he doing? I love it though. I love his voice. Is that his like impersonation of a lounge singer? That's how he sings. This is froggy. That is a groove. The piano is like phaser on it or whatever. A, a nice uh, blend of genres here. Very high fidelity, as usual, from this guy. Yeah, the whole album is, is like this. It's like, what genre is this? So I, I hear that here, and but he's doing that over there. It's just a great blend. This is like late 70s, you say? This is uh, 78. Whoa. What's this? What are we hearing right now? That's great. So... I first heard that cascade of synthesizers and I was like, oh, that's, that's the moment he's like, fuck it. I just want to do freaky electronic stuff. That's <laughs> killer though. That, that blend of genres is like, oh, it's, I really love this impressive. album. I love this song. You don't really get this experience with Hosono's music anytime after this point. This is like the kind of seventies record you want to find. Like you want to yes. find that sound where it's like mm-hmm. dusty, but also like cooler than most indie Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, it's it's a great record that like totally has its own idiosyncratic flavor, but it's just like also like impeccably played and recorded, and mm. and then I that those synths come in, I'm like, oh, this guy started getting ideas. Like, yeah, this is like that moment in The Shining when Nicholson's just like staring They're off in space, like about to yeah. drool or something. Because, yeah. uh, like I say, you don't get the singer songwriter thing hardly ever. For the next like 40, 50 years or however long this guy's been active now. Mm. Kind of a shame, maybe. I don't know. It depends on your taste. But like this, this next song I'm going to play you uh, is from an album called Phil Harmony. Okay. Uh, and it is, it's like a 1-0 tricks point never record. Like it's just <laughs> uh, completely absurd, insane, experimental, electronic. Like it starts with 
kind of sounds and it's like him his voice being pitched around going like beak 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 nick like that's like the kickoff to his next like solo quote-unquote pop record uh and Mm -hmm. like in between that time he's doing yellow magic orchestra and that's all like you want to know what instrument we're playing we're playing a synth like it's just hyper electronic like Mm -hmm. comedically so you know craft work level stuff that's very cool but it's like it ain't horizon it's not uh host on a house those days are behind us yeah. Um, but I'll be damned if there's still not some good stuff there, particularly this last song I'm going to show you. The The transformation is complete. Okay. This is a song called Sportsman. It is by far, by a country mile, the most played song on his Spotify, if you go to Hosono's Spotify page. Why is that? Uh, I mean, it's a good song. It's fun. But it's like, this is the Hosono that uh, is the true Hosono, I feel like. The, mm-hmm. the earlier Happy End, uh, Rockabye My Baby, that songwriter stuff was a fluke, and this is his, his true face, what we're going to hear true now. true calling, okay. And uh, I would also say, you know, we were talking about gym music a few episodes ago. Yeah. What makes the best gym music? Look no further than Lear. This is going to be your go-to gym song from now on. This is going to be your favorite song to play while working out. Okay, can't be any weirder than what I usually listen to. This has uh, replaced anything else you'd need. This is everything in one okay. track here. Just a few years apart from what we just heard. How do I feel? Twitching, throbbing, twitching, throbbing, twitching, throbbing. Twitching, throbbing? His muscles are twitching and throbbing. He's a sportsman. I see. Oh. <laughs> He's singing in English. What's a banger? Doing a Lou Reed impression, I guess. It's another case that he just likes to hole up in a bedroom studio with his all his equipment. He's going nuts. He doesn't like to uh, leave his house so much. That's a great song. It's real New Ordery, and I think it's like around the same time as them. I think their first record was like '81. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I wonder if they were listening to him. Yeah. Maybe. Uh, <laughs> I love uh, my, one of my favorite parts of this song is he's just. You know, he's writing in English and speaks it to some degree, but, you know, to a larger extent is just playing around with the sounds of these novel words and, like, his idea of what they mean 
and like mm. the kind of feeling you get hearing them. So the idea of being like, oh, he's a sportsman. I'll be a good sport, which is just like, good. that's another phrase little, that has nothing to do with what you're talking about. But the way it sure. just happenstance like comes off to me when I hear it is, is really fun. Just like a happy yeah. accident. I'll be a good sport. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's great. I love that. I want to listen to that record now. Yeah. Well, that is by far the most approachable pop moment of this album. If we, if you want, we can listen to Picnic. That's really the transformation is complete on that one. I feel what like we, should, I, I, we should just dive in, shouldn't we, to, to wrap things off. This is Hosono uh, Haromi in full synth electronic madness uh, okay. on that Picnic song. This is uh, Daniel Plainview in the bowling alley. <laughs> I'm finished. If you can write great pop tunes, I don't quite know why you want to spend your time doing this. I already got bored. Most solo Hosono stuff, I would say shit like this. Really? You go out in the 80s and the 90s, it's a little less weird, but it's this same sensibility of like what to fill in like a soundscape with. This is the road he took. He didn't keep writing pop classics. He went down experimental land. (laughs) Yeah. The look on your face. Trying to wrap my mind around it. I mean, it's like interesting. I can't say I would like really picnic. Listen to this a lot. <laughs> picnic. Definitely into that word picnic. <laughs> See, here's what happened. Myself, I I sometimes struggle with the idea of selling my soul over to the synthesizer. There's something very comfortable, enticing, and alluring, and relaxing about the idea of, you know, what I'm not really going to write songs anymore. I'm just going to. I'm just going to vibe with my my gear. You know, I, I got a couple synthesizers here. I got software instruments out the wazoo. They're, you sure. know, sometimes it calls to me, oh, you know, stop singing, stop thinking about traditional song structure or, you know, uh, acoustic instruments, just, just give into the machine. And mm-hmm. I feel like Hosono totally did that. And the problem with that is you're kind of at their mercy. It's like you end up creating whatever the machines kind of steer you towards with like what they can do mm. you know that you're kind of like working for them i feel like and that's what happened here you know at the time yeah. this must have blown people's minds but okay you're using you're just like showcasing instruments from the early 80s it's like a like a expo you know i feel like you're yeah. advertising this gear rather than like your true artistic expression but yeah. maybe i'm too harsh on the guy I, I don't know enough about his trajectory to say i just know that um, what you heard really, was weird. <laughs> sort of not. Yeah. I mean, unless it really goes somewhere after that, I can't say I big, big picnic would be interested in hearing more of it. No. But well, that first, that first tune, I love that. Yep. Yeah. Sportsman. That sportsman is classic. Um, check out all of hot eye. So also Pacific is another host album. That's more of like a collaboration with a few other artists rather than a true soul album. But that is just the great, chill party album of the century that's just awesome like tropicalia music definitely Mm. recommend that one as well but yeah 
But yeah, um, I feel a little crazy at the end of all that, but how do you feel? <laughs> I feel all right. What do you think we learned? I think we learned that you don't hate all the music from 1999. I kind of want to check out 99 radio hits. Yeah, like I'm not maybe not more than once or twice, but like there's yeah. some, some solid pop songs that kind of flew under the radar there for me. Not so bad, except She's So High. That was like cloying and gross. Thumbs down. Yeah. What'd you learn, huh? Uh, then I should dig more into his catalog. I thought, you know, I, I had heard that he went in different directions and I listened to that next record after House and House and was like, yeah. Yeah, it's a harder um, one to grasp. Sounds like there's some gems in there. It's a few, I yeah. should invest. And I'll, I'll probably do a Yellow Magic Orchestra episode at some point because those guys are just fucking hilarious. The funniest skits I've ever heard. Skits? Like like the rap album like, skits that we talked yes, about? Yes, yes. F- really? I will crack out crack up laughing to this day listening to their their spiel on on one of their albums like this the series they call snakeman show okay oh they're hilarious because it's in english too like you could get into it okay uh, they're they're wild and crazy guys those three yeah. sounds nuts but uh yeah um look forward to your next halloween episode yep what's that well, i'm doing that next week you say yeah and hey make sure you don't miss that listener uh by subscribing Uh Yeah, I was talking about scary, scary stuff every week here. Subscribe to the podcast if you like what you heard. You know, give us a rating, leave us a review. We always appreciate it. Uh, You can also follow Losing My Opinion on Twitter, Instagram, or even TikTok. Sure. And uh, you know what? I made the argument that uh, Hosono kind of, kind of lost the plot with his uh, his electronic fascinations. I could be wrong now. But I don't think so. And I'll say, so long, suckers. And we'll see you next week. Oh, so low energy. <laughs> <laughs> so long, suckers. No, it's supposed to be vindictive. It's supposed to be, so long, suckers. I'm not feeling vindictive. I just want people right. to have a nice, relaxing week. And also to them to know that they're suckers still. Oh, you got them. You got them.